you got your Bible this morning, meet me in the book of Acts chapter 2. We're going to get into God's word today. And if you're here last week, then you know where we're going because last week we kicked off a new series called Devoted. And this is not just our series for this month of January. Really, this word devoted is our theme for the year. As a church, we are choosing, we are committing to going deeper, to being devoted to the things of God, to his plans, his purposes for our lives. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And we're going to be reading from the book of Acts here in just a moment. But if you weren't here last week, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the message from last week. If you weren't here on New Year's Eve two weeks ago, man, Pastor Gary brought a great message to challenge us to go deeper, to cast out into the deep, as Jesus said to his disciples. Highly encourage you to go back and listen to those last couple of messages to understand how we got here today. But in Acts chapter 2, we see one specific verse that really stands out among one of the most significant uh, chapters and passages in all of the Bible. We focused on this last week, Acts 2 and verse 42. And I'm going to read just this one verse this morning from the NIV. It simply says this. It says, they devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And last week we talked about the importance of being devoted. But not only that, we laid out a case for how the church got from Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to North America here today in the 21st century. Of course, Jesus has always been building his church because he promised he would do just that. We see it in Matthew chapter 16. He promises that he will build his church. But we also established that the church of Jesus Christ would only be built through willing participants who would devote themselves to this divine partnership between a faithful God and faithful people, choosing to be faithful, devoting themselves to God. So that's what we talked about last week. We talked about devoting ourselves in various ways throughout the course of this year. We talked about our Bible reading plan, which we're going to talk a little bit more about today. But today I want to go one step further and I want to ask you some further questions. Because, you know, last week there were a couple of important questions I think that challenged us, challenged us in our devotion. We asked this question, how have I benefited in my life from somebody else's devotion? And we thought about our faith that's been handed to us. We thought, thought about how people who, you know, have devoted themselves and perhaps even if we didn't grow up in Christian homes, we are the beneficiaries of other people's devotion when we stepped into this relationship with God. So again, I'll ask you that question. How have you benefited from somebody else's devotion? But then we asked the second question, who stands to benefit from my decision to be devoted myself to Christ. We talked about our families, our friends, our extended families, our neighbors, our fellow church members, people that around us that stand to benefit from our decisions, our personal decisions to devote ourselves to Christ. Now we said that throughout this month and probably into the beginning of February, we're going to look at the four things that the early church devoted themselves to from scripture. So today we're going to look at that first thing, and it, Scripture tells us that they devoted themselves, number one, to the apostles' teaching. So today that's our topic, is the apostles' teaching. Maybe in the translation that you would read from in your Bible, it says the apostles' doctrine. The word doctrine really just means teaching, and we shouldn't really overcomplicate that word too much. It was a standard that was taught by the apostles to the early church. And so here's the big question for today, all right? Why was the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching so important to the early church? 
And I want to spend a few minutes this morning just making a case and establishing a case for the importance of the apostles' doctrine. And this is going to be a little bit different. I know that if you're a regular here at the bridge, you know, Pastor Gary and myself, we tend to preach and teach out of inspiration from the Holy Spirit and jump right into just going deeper in the text. But I want to establish a case for the significance of the apostles' teaching through a lot of our message today. But then we're going to bring it all home and talk about applying that, these, these scriptural truths and principles to our lives, okay? So again, why was the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine so important? I want to give you four answers to that question this morning, okay? Number one, the first reason that the apostles' teaching was so important was because the apostles were the ones who had been with Jesus. The apostles were the ones who had been with Jesus. Now, I want to take a moment here and I just want to clarify what we see in Scripture because especially when you read throughout the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see these immediate followers of Christ always most usually uh, referred to as disciples. But when we get into the book of Acts and later on throughout the New Testament, the word disciples kind of moves into the background and these influential leaders are now referred to as apostles. And primarily this is referring to those who walked with Jesus and knew Jesus, saw Jesus on a first-hand basis. That's who it's talking about. But what I really want to highlight this morning is this transition that takes place from disciples to apostles. Because again, they were the ones who walked and talked and knew and witnessed Jesus themselves. You see, when you look at these two different words, it's, it's really, really important to notice the difference in the two words. See, the word disciples in the Greek is the word mathetes, and it literally means a learner or a pupil. So think about it. Jesus' earthly ministry here on planet Earth for three years, he had men who were following him who were referred to as disciples. They were pupils or learners. It was like you could just say they were students. They were following Jesus, learning his ways, learning the principles of the kingdom of God, the thing that Jesus taught primarily. They saw how he operated. They, they knew him personally. And so therefore, they spent three years as students or pupils following Jesus. But then you get to the book of Acts, and they're no longer referred to as the disciples. Now they're referred to as Apostles. And the Greek word here for apostles is apostolos, which means a delegate, a messenger, or one who was sent forth with others. So think about it. These individual apostles were a part of a larger group, and you could even expand that a little bit from Luke's gospel and say that there were the 12 immediate disciples. There were probably, you know, a 72 or so, you know, outer disciples who were closely watching and following Jesus as well. And we know that perhaps from that group, there were people who were later referred to as apostles as well. But I want you to notice that difference. There were first pupils, but then they are messengers, delegates. They're sent by Jesus to take forth this message of the kingdom of God that he has established. So when the scriptures say that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it's literally saying they were devoted to the teachings of those who walked with Jesus and were sent by Jesus as messengers. So they, they're so incredibly important, the apostles' teaching. Why? Because these were the guys who walked with Jesus. Now there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone personally. It's like seeing someone from a distance but not knowing them for yourself. You might not know their reputation, but reputation isn't always the same thing as reality. 
So we could have been given the scriptures, we could have been given teaching even to this day from people who saw or heard about Jesus from a great distance but perhaps didn't know him personally. But that's not who the apostles were. They were the ones who knew Jesus, who witnessed his teaching and his miracles firsthand up close. And the reason why I talk about the difference between reputation and reality, it's interesting, just talking about our Bible reading plan, I saw something in scripture just this past week in my reading that stood out to me. Scripture says that when Jesus started his earthly ministry, after he's baptized, he begins to really go and teach and minister in Judea, and it says that his fame spread into Syria. And that's a northern nation that's right there above where the Jewish people lived. And that really blew me away because it told me quickly that Jesus' fame spread into Syria. They heard things about Jesus. But guess what? There's a big difference between hearing about Jesus and knowing him for yourself. And the apostles were the ones who saw Jesus, knew Jesus, witnessed his teaching and his miracles, his ministry. So therefore, everything that they relayed to the early church was an incredibly important and profound. Again, why? Because the apostles were the ones who walked with Jesus. Can I just say to you this morning, church, don't settle for the reputation of Jesus. Dig into the reality of who he is this year. Be devoted to the apostles' teaching and find out who Jesus really is for yourself. Now, here's the second thing. Why was the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine so important? Number two, because in the first century church, there were no New Testament scriptures yet. Sometimes we read the New Testament and forget that everything we're reading was playing out in them and through them and before them, and they didn't yet have a New Testament Bible that they could read. They had the Old Testament canon, the law, the prophets, the Torah, but they didn't have the scriptures because the New Testament church had just been birthed. It was all playing out in front of them, in them, and through them. And that's really important. You see, Jesus had deposited something into the apostles, his spoken word, his teachings, which would eventually become their teachings and even their writings. Now watch this. Imagine for a moment that you were a Christian attempting to follow Jesus today, but you didn't have a Bible. How difficult would that be? Now, side note, imagine trying to follow Jesus without a Bible. That sounds crazy, but here's the thing. Sadly, a lot of us try to do that. We try to follow Jesus, but we don't open up the book to find out his ways, his teachings, his principles, and the plan he has through this kingdom that we are invited into. Can I tell you this morning, don't settle again for the reputation of Jesus. Dig into the word to find out who he is in your life and who he wants to be in your life. Don't settle for Christianity without God's word. Sadly, sometimes that's what we attempt to do. Now, imagine how these early church believers were probably hanging on every single word that came from the apostles' mouths. Why? Because in their teachings were the very words of life that brought about faith and growth in this new life of following Jesus. So the apostles' teachings were incredibly important because they served the same purpose then that the New Testament, New Testament scriptures serve in our lives today. They carried weight. They carried authority. They carried life, the same life that was in the teachings of Jesus. So again, the apostles' teachings were important because they were, there were no New Testament scriptures written yet in the first century. And here's a third reason why the apostles' teachings were incredibly important. Number three, because the apostles were divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit to relay the teachings of Jesus. The apostles were divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit to relay 
the teachings of Jesus. Now, I want to have some fun with everybody for just a moment because let's just ask a quick question. How many of you, you grew up in a more Pentecostal or charismatic church, that kind of background? Anybody in the house? I made a joke about this last week and I found out in second service, like it was funny in first service and not funny in second. I was like, you know, turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. And I said, come on, where all the Pentecostals at? And in this service, the 930, people are like, woo! Then in the 1130, I was like, turn to Acts 2. Come on, Pentecostals, where are you at this morning? And it's like, crickets. And I realized, okay, that's good. Not everybody comes from the same background in this house. That's cool. All good. But I want to have some fun with you for just a couple of minutes here because I think when we read through Acts chapter 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't see the whole picture of what God was trying to do. See, for many of us, when we read Acts 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but limit what God did that day to the gifts that were demonstrated. But for the apostles that day, they understood clearly that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was meant to empower them to fulfill their calling. It wasn't just watching a show, a supernatural show. For a lot of us that come from a Pentecostal or charismatic background, sometimes we've seen that where we've come to church and it's like we're there to watch the show. The the apostles, the disciples before the day of Pentecost, they didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus just told him to wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave until you receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show this to you this morning. I want to get you thinking with me a little bit about just how significant the apostles' teaching was. Look at Acts 1. We'll go back one chapter. This is what it says in verses 4 and 5, and then we'll read one more after that. In verse 4 of Acts 1, it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of of the Father. Notice that the word promise is capital P, promise. That means that the promise was not just a promise of words. It was the promise of a person, the Holy Spirit. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John, John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here's the promise that the Holy Spirit, again, is going to come and be poured out upon these early church disciples. Now look at verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me or for me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, here's the question. What exactly is happening in this exchange between Jesus and his disciples? Well, the answer is Jesus is giving the disciples their mission and clear instructions about their purpose. And notice, Jesus tells them, do not leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit has come. And again, it wasn't just so they could receive spiritual gifts, and it wasn't just so they could witness a supernatural event. The disciples understood clearly that Jesus wanted to empower them to fulfill their purpose. And what was their purpose? To be witnesses. Can I tell you something today that the Holy Spirit wants to fill your life to the full, not so that we can just be partakers of his gifts or see him do supernatural things in us and through us. He wants to empower us to fulfill the calling he's placed before us, which is to be his witnesses. And see, when we think about Acts chapter 2, sometimes we look at this magnificent outpouring of the Spirit and the supernatural stuff that happened with tongues of fire and these people who understand these languages in their own, and they're like, this is wild, what's going on? 
And sadly, what happens there in Acts 2 is it becomes divisive for a lot of the church because on one camp over here, we get really excited and want to run around the building when we think about Acts chapter 2. And then on one camp over here, we're like, let's not talk about what happened in Acts chapter 2. We know the Holy Spirit came, but it got a little crazy after that, and we don't all understand it. We don't all agree about it. So therefore, set all of that stuff aside and understand. Nobody knew that day how God was going to do what he did. They just knew Jesus had given them instructions to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know there was going to be tongues of fire. They didn't know other people would understand those words in their own languages. They didn't know what was going to happen. All they did was be obedient to what Jesus told them to do. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out there on the day of Pentecost, the disciples who became the apostles knew and understood, this right here is empowering me to do everything God has called me to do, which is to be a witness for his kingdom. Can I tell you, church, let's not get lost in spooky, weird things. Let's understand, yes, God wants to empower us to do supernatural things, to minister as Jesus did. But let's understand that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is there to empower us simply to be God's witnesses. Amen? So again, that's why the apostles' teaching was so important, because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had empowered these people to relay this message of the kingdom to the first century church. Now, before we go to the fourth one, I want to look at another passage of Scripture really quickly because this helps us to understand what the, 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 the apostles, the disciples, the importance of their ministry and everything that Jesus commanded them and wanted to do through them. Look for a moment at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Now, right here in Matthew 28, verse 19, we see a very familiar verse. But Jesus goes on and says a little bit more that gives us clarity on the instructions to the disciples. Look at Matthew 28, 19. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. That right there is what we call the Great Commission. Jesus gives them their mission. He gives them their purpose. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But that's not all Jesus told the disciples. Look at the next verse and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Look again, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's a strong word. All things I've commanded you. Why were the apostles' teaching so important? Number four, because the apostles understood they were under strict instructions to relay Jesus' teachings and not their own. They understood they were under strict instructions to relay Jesus' teachings and not their own. The apostles had a clear understanding that Jesus had commissioned them to teach what he had taught them. They knew Jesus had ordered them not to give their opinions of his teachings or their interpretations of his teachings or even their perspective on his teachings. Jesus commissioned them to, cheat, to teach others to observe all things that he commanded them. Now notice that Jesus didn't say all things that I've suggested to you or all things that I've recommended to you. No, Jesus said all things that I have commanded you. Because, again, they were under strict instructions to relay Jesus' teaching and not their own. And that's what made the apostles' teaching so important to the first century church. And the reason why I want to point out that word commanded this morning is because, you know, on New Year's Eve, Pastor Gary brought such a great message to spring us into this year. And 
One of the things he was talking about is how Peter, the disciple, you know, and Peter and Andrew and the other disciples, they're out there. Jesus has their boat. They've fished all night. They've caught nothing. And then Jesus looks at them and says, launch out into the deep. Go out, cast out one more time. And so they go out and do it. Peter says, look, I know we've fished all day, but nevertheless, at your word, we'll do what you've asked us to do, what you've commanded us to do. And Pastor painted such a beautiful picture there of how in that story, Peter goes from viewing Jesus as teacher to soon he says, no, you're the Lord of my life. You're God. You're divine. You are the Messiah. And there's a change that takes place there. See, we will only see Jesus' teachings as suggestions and recommendations when he's a good teacher or a good master. But when he becomes the Lord of our lives, we take his commands seriously and recognize that he's calling us to follow him. But we'll never understand that without being offended unless we go further into making him the Lord of our life rather than just seeing him as a good teacher only. Sometimes that's what happens as we see Jesus from a distance. and like, wow, that's a little bit confounding. That's a little bit challenging. And we might even carry some offense at some of Jesus' teachings until the day comes that we choose to make him the Lord of our lives ourselves. But the apostles didn't struggle with that. Why? Because they had surrendered to Jesus a long time ago. They knew Jesus was divine, he was the Messiah, so therefore they were willing not just to follow his suggestions, no, they took them seriously as commands. I think in this moment about Peter, you know, Peter, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And then the disciples come back and they say, well, you know, some say you're Moses, some say you're Elijah, who do you say that I am? Jesus, or Peter says, I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say to him? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father in heaven. He's the one that revealed it. See, there was a transformation that took place where he was able not just to take a suggestion from Jesus, but a command from Jesus. The apostles understood very clearly they had strict instructions to relay the teachings of Jesus and not just their own teachings, views, or opinions. And it's so important that we understand that. Now, these are four reasons that I've just laid out, a case, a simple case that I've made this morning for why the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine was so important in the first century church. But I want to go a little bit further here because when you actually look today at the Bible that we have in our hands, we have to have an understanding that so many of the apostles' teachings really came together to compile what we have now as the New Testament canon of Scripture. And we could go really deep in the weeds to talk about how the Bible was, you know, really put together in the third and fourth centuries. There's multiple councils of church leaders that come together and do their best to agree on what texts should be included in that canon of Scripture, what should be left out. That's a big, big conversation. I understand that. But there are a couple of things that they all held in common, these early church leaders, when they compiled this canon, this New Testament canon of Scripture, one of them was, were these writings given to us by an apostle who walked with Jesus, or were they given to us by somebody who walked firsthand with an apostle who walked with Jesus? In other words, we're not going to include texts that came from people who only knew about the reputation of Jesus. We want to include texts that include the reality of who Jesus is because these writers saw it up close and personal. And with all that said, you have to understand that when we hold our Bible in our hands, our New Testament scriptures are the result of people who saw Jesus for themselves or walked directly with the apostles and heard their teachings. And that's what compiled the scriptures. You think about the 12 that walked with Jesus. We have Matthew, John, and Peter who all wrote, three of those 12 who wrote that we know 
New Testament passages. We see the Apostle Paul contributing a bunch. We see James and Jude, who are most likely the brothers of Jesus, contributing to the New Testament. Funny enough, those guys didn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah until he was raised from the dead. And yet God still included their works in the New Testament scripture. And then, of course, we have other contributors as well. But the point is simply this. The Bible we hold in our hands today still gives us the same apostles' teaching that the first century church was receiving even then before it was written. It's important that we understand that. And that brings me around to talking about our Bible reading plan for just a moment. Because two weeks ago, we kind of introduced this to the church, and we said, hey, this year, we're going to be devoted to Scripture, be devoted to God's Word. And so when we put this reading plan together, we were very intentional about getting into the New Testament Scriptures. And the reason why is because the New Testament Scriptures were given to us through the apostles and the apostles' teaching. So that's really why we're jumping into this. And I want to say this to every single person in the house today. When you think about the fact that the church of Jesus Christ was able to get where it is today from where it started 2,000 years ago, those teachings that the apostles gave to the first century church, which are still powerful in our lives today, are just as important today as they were then. And if we'll devote ourselves to them, they still have the power to change our lives and make us into the image of Christ, which is exactly what God wants to do. So if we're going to devote ourselves to the word of God, to the scriptures, to the apostles' teaching, why is that important? Why is it important that we devote ourselves to God's word? And the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to answer that question in three different ways. Why is it important that we devote ourselves to God's word? If you're taking notes this morning, write these down. Number one, It's important that we devote ourselves to God's word because if we want to follow Jesus well, we must learn from those who have done it well before us. We must learn from those who have done it well before us. Now, obviously, God wants to surround us today with people who have been following Jesus well. That's why we always say around here that God did not intend for you to do life alone. He wants to surround you with good people. But our primary example of following Jesus well has been given to us in the scriptures, which is a direct result of the apostles' teaching. Now, I want to show you something really cool. I was reading through 1 Corinthians the other day because I was, I, I was thinking about this verse that I want to show you in a moment. And you get to the end of 1 Corinthians 10, and Paul is talking to this early Corinthian church about offenses. Choose not to be offended, but also choose not to be an offense to others. Don't be a stumbling block for people. And then chapter 10 just kind of ends as Paul's talking about offenses. And then chapter 11 begins, and the very first verse that we see in 1 Corinthians 11 looks like it belongs at the end of 1 Corinthians 10. Paul makes this really, really simple statement, and look at what he says. 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You see, Paul understood when he wrote that very simple sentence that God had changed his life. Jesus had changed his life. Jesus had quite literally gotten his attention on the Damascus Road, identified Saul in his sin, told, introduced himself as Jesus, says, I'm Jesus who you have persecuted. And then he absolutely flipped Paul's life upside down and changed everything. And so when we see Paul lay out this very simple thought, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, the picture that we see here is somebody who has been following Christ well saying, hey, follow my example. And so when we look at the New Testament scriptures, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the examples of those who have done this well before us so that we can follow in their footsteps. Now here's the second reason 
why it's important for us to devote ourselves to God's word. Number two, we need to know the words of Jesus, of Jesus, not just words about Jesus. We need to know the words of Jesus, not just words about Jesus. And where do we find them? From the writings and ministry of the apostles in the New Testament. Now, I want to show you a cool Old Testament scripture. This passage really got my attention the other day as I was studying because I hadn't, I think I've read through this passage of scripture many times and it never jumped out to me, but these are the writings of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to show you a really, really cool verse. Look at this. Ecclesiastes 12, verses 11 and 12. He says, the words of the wise are like goads. Pause there for a minute because most of us don't know what goads are. Goads were like sharpened sticks that were used to prod animals to keep them going in the right direction. I know that that sounds a little bit harsh to all the animal lovers out there, but that's the way that Solomon writes it. He says, the words of the wise are like goads. They prod us in the right direction. They're like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails. Watch this. Given by one, capital S, shepherd. The words of the wise are like goads. They take us in the right direction, and they're given to us by one, capital S, shepherd. But look at the next verse, verse 12. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. When I read those verses again this week, one of the things that really jumped out to me is it's so interesting in our walk with God and in our personal discipleship how often we will try to get a better understanding of Jesus by reading a book that was written by somebody else about Jesus rather than going to the Bible and reading the words of Jesus himself. And that's kind of the principle that Solomon is trying to communicate here in Ecclesiastes 12. And there's all kinds of study. There's all kinds of books. There's all kinds of writings that can wear us out. But if we want to find the words of life that will rejuvenate us and walk us into our purpose, look no further than the words of Jesus and the words of the apostles, the ones who walked with him. Let's be careful that we don't devote all of our time to listening and reading the words of other people about Jesus. No, let's go and find the words of life spoken directly by Jesus from the scriptures. Now, here's the third and final thing. I need to wrap up this morning. But the third thought about the importance of devoting ourselves to God's word. Number three, the word of God is the nourishment we need for our spiritual growth. The word of God is the nourishment we need for our spiritual growth. Now, read the words of the apostle, the disciple, Peter himself. First Peter 2. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So what's he saying here? He's saying that if we want to grow, we need to desire the pure milk of the word of God. I love it that he doesn't just say the milk of the word. He says the pure milk of the word. In other words, it's unadulterated. It hasn't been tampered with or tainted. No, the word of God is pure because it's divinely inspired. And Peter here is talking about our spiritual growth. See, for all of us in our journey of faith, God will call us to grow. It doesn't matter if we're new in faith or we've been serving God for 50 years. There is not a day of our life where God is not calling us to grow and go deeper in that relationship. And in this passage, Peter the apostle makes it clear that the primary way we will grow in our walk with God is through his word. And as we grow, we will move from simple things to heavier, more complex things. As we grow, we will be able to comprehend not only the basic principles of God's word, but the deeper applications of God's word. 
Now, with all that said, this is where I want to wrap up this morning in my conclusion. We have a friend, my family, we have a friend who's an amazing Bible teacher, preacher. He's not a pastor, but this guy is one of the best communicators I've ever heard in my life. He's an incredibly wise man. And I heard a story about him one time where he was preaching in a church and he got finished and somebody that was sitting there in the service walked up to him and complimented on the message. He said, that was a really good message today. He says, you know, you speak at our church pretty often and I got to say, these pastors who are on staff at our church, they really come and they bring the meat, the depth of God's word. But you, you're really good at bringing the milk. Now that's not something any preacher wants to hear because it makes it sound as if your message was shallow. But here's what's funny about it. I don't think that that person that made that comment was trying to insult the person who had brought that message. But the point is simply this. That person who brought the milk is one of the wisest, deepest people I've ever met in my whole life. Incredibly brilliant and profound. I mean, has just spoken so much wisdom into my own life. And the point is simply this. If that is the milk and that is the simpler things, then I'll sign up for that any day of the week rather than being, trying to be incredibly profound and impress people. Because the simple things sometimes are the things that will lead to the most profound change in our lives. And we all need to desire the milk, the pure milk of God's word. In closing this morning, last couple of thoughts. I know that a lot of us are at different stages in our life and in our walk with God. And a lot of us, therefore, will look at the word of God differently. Some of us have been serving God for decades. And so we tend to love the deeper, heavier things. Can I say... I love, if you have been in this church and you've been serving God for a long, long time, decades, I'm so grateful for your commitment in this church. Because one of the things that God's been doing in our church is he's been bringing a lot of people to us under this big tent that we call the Bridge Church who are new in faith, who don't know their Bible very well. Maybe you've tried to get into your Bible before, but you've had a hard time kind of digesting what you're taking in because it can feel a little bit deep and profound. And sometimes for the mature people, what we'll do is we'll say, well, I'm ready to go deeper. I want the heavier things. Can I tell you something? The most mature and heavy thing that you can do as a mature Christian is not just go hang out with other mature Christians, but help younger Christians and people who are new in faith to learn how to chew and digest the word of God that they're taking in so that they will grow. See, I would never take a well-cooked steak and set it down on the tray in front of my one-year-old in his high chair. There's a bunch of reasons why. Number one, he doesn't have any teeth. Number two, he can't chew it. But there's going to come a day where he's going to be able to hold a fork in one hand and a knife in the other, and he's going to be able to cut that thing into pieces so that he can then chew it and digest it. But I would be a really bad dad if I put a steak down in front of him and said, eat up, son, because if you don't eat that, you're not getting anything else. Not only that, but I'd be incredibly irresponsible if I put a fork and knife in his hand right now at one years old. I want to say this to everybody in the house this morning. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I've heard that verse my whole life to the point that it sounds like milk to me. It sounds simple. It doesn't sound profound because I've heard it. I've heard it quoted. I've quoted it myself so many times. And sometimes familiarity breeds contempt and things begin to lose their value. But guess what? That might sound like a milk verse to us, but it should never throughout our life ever lose its impact and its power. Because I was a sinner lost in my sins, separated from God, could not come back. But God so loved me and God so loved you that he gave Jesus to buy back that relationship and redeem me to bring me back into the family. 
Can I tell you something? It sounds like milk on the surface, but there's a whole lot of meat in those words. And for those of us who call ourselves mature Christians, let's not settle for hanging out with the other know-it-alls. No, let's go and be even more mature and help the ones who are growing in faith to chew and digest what we are feeding so that they can grow up in faith as well. Amen? Peter said we should desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That we may grow. Let's devote ourselves this year, church, to being people of the word, of God's word. Let's go deeper into God's word because God wants to grow us. And if we will commit to that milk, it ain't like the milk of this world. It's the pure milk that will bring growth, spiritual growth in our lives. I know this has been a really different kind of message for me, you guys who've heard me preach a lot, but I want to say this morning, it's time for us as a church to go deeper and devote ourselves to God's word. And reading one or two chapters a day or one passage a day might not sound very deep and mature to you, but God can do a whole lot with just a few words. So where are you at this morning in your devotion? Doesn't matter if you're at the starting point or if you're nearing the finish line, God wants you to go deeper. God wants to grow you because God still has more for you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I thank you, church family, because I've gone a little bit long this morning. When I asked that question, where are you at in your devotion, I recognize there are people in this house, you've been walking with God a long time. Still, some of the most mature steps and choices that you could make is to help others grow. Will you take your place this year in being devoted? Help others reach the maturity that you've stepped into in your walk with God. Show them how to chew up and digest God's word. Maybe you're here today and you're somewhere in the middle and you recognize God's got more for me and you need to take some more steps of faith. I encourage you this year, choose to be devoted to God's word and watch that pure milk grow your life. Everything God's called you to do, he will grow you, grow you, grow you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Zach, I don't even know God. I've heard some scriptures, I know the Bible, I know it's believed to be the word of God, but I don't even know God. I want to tell you today, God loved you so much that even as you sat at a distance from him because of the sin that separated you from him, he sent his very best in exchange for your very worst, Jesus for your sin, the just for the unjust. That's the way the scripture puts it. Jesus, the one who went to the cross and died for our sin, was raised from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that you and I would not have to face it. That Jesus gave everything for us so that we could come back into a relationship with God. Today, if you need to start that journey of faith, I'm going to pray a prayer here in just a moment, and I want to invite you to jump in for the ride that is the journey of faith in following Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you went to the cross for us. We believe you died for us so our sins could be forgiven. We believe you were raised from the dead, and you conquered death so that we could have new life. So today, we put our faith in you, our hope in you, our trust in you. We believe you're the Son of God, and we want to come back into relationship with the Father. So we choose to follow you this day. We will learn your ways. We will follow you in this life until the day comes that we see you face to face in eternity. We give you our lives today. Thank you for receiving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we have just a couple more things that we need to accomplish this morning before we're finished. But let me say this. If you're here in the house and you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to help you start your journey of faith. We want to put a little gift in your hand. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's just a simple book that will help you start this journey. You can stop by and see one of our prayer teams right after service. They're going to be right down here. If you want to walk up to one of them, let them know you made a decision to follow Jesus. They'll give you that book. We don't need anything from you, but we're here and happy to help you in any way that we can. If you need someone to pray with you, hey, come see one of our prayer teams. If you need to go quickly at the end of service, 
Just stop by the next seven days desk at the info center. Our team is happy to give you that gift and get you on your way today because we are so glad that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Can we put our hands together this morning and welcome people into God's family? Awesome. And can we also thank Pastor Zach for that great message this morning? So good. And like he said, I know we've got a few minutes longer today, but if you could just hang tight with us for just a few more minutes, we have a couple of important things we need to share with you before you go. And first of all, very important. This is the time in service when we worship God with our giving. And I say very important because this is an act of worship. When we give, it's worship. It's honoring God with our giving. And you'll see on the screens the different ways in which you can give. If you would like an envelope, they are located on the chair backs. And there are giving stations on the sidewalls just before you exit the auditorium. And another one in the foyer just outside our Bridge Kids area. But we just want to say a huge thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Because your giving enables us to spread the gospel here at home and across the globe through all of our missions efforts. You are making a difference in people's lives every time you give. So thank you so very much for your faithfulness in giving. And before we go, we have a couple of important and exciting things coming up we want to share with you so you can mark your calendars and save the date for these events, all right? First of all, ladies, we have a Bridge Women Night coming up on Friday. February 23rd. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss it. And I've got to tell you, I have such an excitement and a real anticipation in my heart what God is going to do. I believe it's going to be a very significant night. I believe God has great things ahead for us in 24, and this is a night that's going to prepare and position us for all that he has ahead for us. You don't want to miss it, and tickets are on sale starting today, so jump on the website and the church app, buy tickets for yourself, your friends, and plan to join us on February 23rd. And then guys, the following Friday night, we're having a Bridge Men Night, and I know it's going to be an amazing night. There's a guest speaker coming. Next week, you are going to hear more info on the Bridge Men Night, and more ticket info will be coming for that as well. So great things are happening here at the Bridge. Hey, we love you. Thank you for hanging with us a few extra minutes today. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.